So again, good morning. So today we're going to talk about a faith that prevails, a, pray, a faith that lasts forever. Okay, we're going to be in Hebrews 11, and we're going to go through verses 20 to 31, which is on page 948 of the Pew Bibles. See, what faith does is faith dares, dares God to do the impossible. It dares God to do the impossible for us. It, 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 it sees the unseen. See, faith does not look at our circumstances. It looks to God Faith does not listen to people. It trusts God's word. See, there's a lot of us that, that we listen to what God has, that, that, that the world has to say and not what God has to say. And we live our lives to please people and not to please God. I would trust I, I would question where you've put your faith. Have you put your faith in people or in the God creator Lord of the universe? See, faith is exciting. Faith is enjoyable. Faith does not accept defeat. It sees victory. See, we just prayed a lot of prayers. By the way, some of them prayers are going to be answered in ways that we wouldn't answer them. We want Jacob to be healed. I want Jacob to be healed. I ask for Jacob to be healed. And I know, by the way, that Jacob will be healed. Either this side... Or the other side, he is going to be healed. God is going to heal him. Shelly just lost one of her customers. The, the, the daughter used to come to this church, Kim. Uh, her, uh, her, Kim's Swansboro's mom just passed away this last week. Uh, and... She was on oxygen. Guess what? She ain't on oxygen no more. She loved Jesus. And she's home now, so she's healed. I'm sure she would have loved to live the last few years of her life without oxygen. But she couldn't. Because we live in a broken world. And sin has caused diseases. Because the whole world is broken. But if we put our trust in Christ, ah, we see the victory. It might not be here. But there is a victory. See, faith doesn't look at the past. Faith doesn't look at the past. How many of us live in our mistakes that we've made throughout our life? And we keep digging them up. We say we believe. We say we believe. How can we really believe if we believe we, when I said about communion, what did Jesus say on the cross? He said, it is finished. So why do we keep digging up our past? Why do we keep unburying the past? I can't change what happened a second ago, let alone a year ago or two years ago. It's done. And by the way, I've been forgiven for it. By the creator of the universe. And so have you. We've all made mistakes. We're all not perfect. 
But the problem is, we don't trust, we don't put our faith in the finished work of Christ. We're saying, I know you said it was finished, God. But I'm going to have to do a little work. You said you died for all of my sin, but I'm going to have to do a little work so I'm forgiven. That is so you can forgive yourself, not because, you see, here's the problem. is You've got to realize that you are forgiven. And stop living in the past. You can't change the past. The past is gone. You're not God. Put your faith and your trust in the future. In the future. Because we get to look forward to a glorious future. Faith in God sees the unseen and trusts God for the unknown future. We trust God. We trust God has a plan for our lives. We trust God. So we have a protecting faith. Verse 20, by faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. See, faith and the future. We can look, we can look to the future and know that God is good. And know that God has a plan. By the way, God's plan isn't your plan. God's plan is a lot different. We're going to find out that God's plan is a lot different than your plan. We just, Dave read that Joseph had a dream. He had a, he, he had a dream that he would rule over his people. In the future. See, first and foremost, it was by faith that Isaac knew God would give future blessings to his two sons, Jacob and Esau. So, and Jacob blessed Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, future leaders of the Jewish people. It was faith and faithfulness. Hebrews 20, 11, 22 says, By faith Jacob was dying, ble- probably 22. By faith Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. The entire life of Joseph was a life of Faith. Can you imagine being the, 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 one of the younger brothers, right? And, and all your brothers hate you. They hate you. And he had a dream, which David, Dave read. And it was from God. It was God telling him of a future. A future where he would be ruling over his brothers, basically. And his dad didn't like it. No. His dad didn't like Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Maybe I should. So, he had this dream. His whole family hated him. And then, he was sold into slavery. Genesis uh, 37, 27 through 28 tells us he was sold by his brothers because of their jealousy towards him. And that actually, they were going to kill him. But a couple of the brothers said, hey, we don't want his blood on our hands. 
We don't want his blood. But we'll take his coat of many colors and smear it with some blood and send it home and say, hey, daddy, we killed him. But we're going to make some money on this dude. So they sold him and made a little extra cash on the side. And then, remember, Joseph's whole life was a life of faith. It's not looking too good for Joseph right now, is it? Joseph has been thrown into a pit, took out and sold into slavery. And, and the whole life of Joseph, he is trusting God. He has put his faith and trust in the one true God. We complain. We could complain if we can't pay a bill or, oh, I might have to eat macaroni and cheese with just water and no milk in it today because I'm broke. He was sold into slavery. He was sold into slavery. And still had faith and trust in God. And then, he had to suffer. You see, he gets to put, this is, this is how God works. Hey, I'm gonna, Potiphar's going to buy you as a slave. You're going to work in Potiphar's house. Because if I read all the texts, it would be too long. You're going to work in Potiphar's house. And... He's going to promote you to, he, you're in control of paying his bills. You're like head of the house. But then, Joseph must have been a hot guy, by the way, because Potiphar's wife wanted a piece of Joseph. And Joseph, being the man of God he was and had trust in God, wouldn't accept the offer. How often, and I'm not talking about this offer, but how often do we accept that little bitty offer of sin in our life? He's a slave. He probably could have had more in, in, in the world's eyes if he'd slept with Potiphar's wife. But he refused. So Potiphar's wife lied and, had him, and, and Potiphar had him thrown in prison. And then he lived a life of service, even in prison. He became like top prisoner. He, 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 it's, it's like he took care of everything. They trusted him. They knew he wasn't going to run away. And they trusted him because he was a man that could be trusted. And then he interprets dreams for a couple of dudes. One gets killed, one gets promoted. And he interpreted a dream 100%. But you think, hey, this story is getting really good now because... Joseph put his faith the whole time in God. But guess what happens next? He says, all I want you to do is remember me to the king, to the pharaoh. That's all I want you to do. Just remember me. Two years pass from him interpreting. He had to serve another two years. And then the pharaoh's having some dreams. And then he goes, hey, remember when you threw me in the prison? And I had this dream. And there's a guy in prison that he interpreted. And he was dead on. He was dead on. I don't know if he's still there because it's been a couple of years. He told me to remember him, but I didn't until now. You think your life sucks? Imagine being Joseph. We complain about so much little stuff. We blame the world for our condition. We need to be people like Joseph. 
We need to be people like Joseph. You know, through all 14 years, Joseph was patient. And he had faith that God was going to do something amazing in his life. Genesis 50, verse 20 says this. This is near the end of the story. Joseph had lived the whole life. His brothers had been, by the way, scared that when daddy died, he was going to get his revenge. And he said this. In verse 20, as for you, you meant, it, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people, many people should be kept alive as they are today. Do you know what's funny about that? What line did Jesus come from? The line of Judah. The, Guess who he kept? He kept Judah alive. If that famine had happened. Thank you. (laughs) If he'd let that happen, if he hadn't followed God faithfully, there would be no line of Judah. He had to keep his baby brother alive. He had to keep his baby. He put his trust in God. And that many, we go, hey, he saved all them people and they, and they all got to eat and then they became slaves and there was millions of them and then they uh, uh, did the exodus, which we'll get to in a minute. But no, you're the many. When you read that text, you've got to go, I'm the many. He saved me. Because he was faithful and followed God and loved God. He affected, this is thousands of years ago. This man affected your life. See what Roman, uh, Romans, I've got to get to it. Romans 8 28. Like all my tags, I'm making a rainbow. Let's compare that verse to this verse Romans 8 28. And we know that for those who love God, those who love God, for those who have put their faith and trust in God, all things, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. That involves you. Somebody a hundred years from now could say, hey, because this person impacted my grandpa's life or my great-grandpa's life, I'm a follower of Jesus. It's not just about what we do today. It is about what we do today. But our life affects the future too. Just like Joseph's. It's a personal faith. There's protection. Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, when he was born, was Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's, king's edict. Moses should have been killed. There was an edict for all children that were males to be killed. And Moses was kept alive because God protected him because he had a bigger plan for his life. Faith is persistent. 
Moses refused to become a member of the Pharaoh's family. Exodus uh, 20, uh, Exodus 2, if I find it. Exodus 2, 11 through 24, and we're not going to read, obviously, all that text. But was the birth of Moses. So Moses was born, okay? He was born, and for three months, for three months, his parents took care of him. And then they put him in a basket. We've all seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. They put him in a basket. And they float him down the river, right where the Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, was bathing. And she sees the baby. The baby still needs nursing. So she asks her Hebrew slave, hey, do you know anybody that could nurse this baby? So, oh, yeah, I know. And this is the amazing part. His mother got to raise him. For a little bit. So, you, so you've got to question this. Who taught him about his people? His mother. His mother. His mother had to teach him about his people. So he had to know where he was from. Even though he was going to be raised eventually as an Egyptian. As, 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 as an, an heir to Pharaoh. Verse 27. By faith, he left Egypt. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Why? Because he was taught about it at a young age. Else, how would he know about... How would he... Even, He's asked to run, by the way. He's on the run right now, okay? Because he just killed an Egyptian guy for, for beating on one of his brothers, Hebrew people, that he considered his blood too, and was being mistreated. So he killed the Egyptian, hid the fact that he killed the, the Egyptian. But then his Hebrew people said they were fighting a couple of his other, other people that he, that, that he was walking around. They were fighting. So he goes... That he tries to split them up and say, why would you do that to your brother? Why would you treat them like that? And they go, what are you going to do? Kill us? So he goes on the run. He's on the run from, from Egypt. God is amazing. Because you've got to realize this. It's all set up. He's a Hebrew who so he's one of God's people. But he's been raised as an Egyptian. So he can mingle. He can talk the language. He can communicate well because he's been raised. But now he's on the run. So now he runs. And he endured. He saw God. Who is invisible. He had real faith. Could you imagine? What would you do? What would you do if you seen a bush on fire and it was talking to you? I, I, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't think God is going to do the same miracle twice. But, but if you seen that, how would you act? I'd be running the other way. And I believe in an almighty, powerful God. I'd be a little skeptical of a bush on fire talking to me. I just would. I'm glad that Moses had the faith that Moses had to walk up to that bush and say, hey, what's going on? And God said, this is holy ground. Take your sandals off. This is God talking to you. And he told 
Moses to go out and free his people. And Moses was an intelligent man because he'd been raised, he'd been educated, he was intelligent. The Bible says he stutters. I think he probably did stutter, but, he, but how he, he stuttered when he got nervous. Not that that doesn't make him intelligent. I think he was super intelligent. But when he was communicating, he probably had a little nervous stammer that he, that he, that he would struggle with. So he didn't want to speak for God. He didn't want to speak for God. But God said, no, I'm sending you. And he sent him. And then, verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. He trusted God enough. And not only the first Passover, but he continued to do that as a remembrance for what God had done. He continued to teach the people that this is what God did. He promised to set us free. He set us free. Because he is a God that is faithful to be trusted Can you imagine how many, how many miracles took place during just under Moses' life? Could you imagine? Uh, I, I bet until Jesus came, there was probably never as many miracles as was performed during Moses' life. All the things that, that he did through Moses. When you think about it, Moses has witnessed so much. And he'd put his faith and trust in God. He, and here's what's beautiful about the story. Here's what's beautiful. Because we're broken people and we do this all the time. Moses wasn't allowed in the promised land. Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. Do you know Why? Because he didn't trust God to defeat all the people in Canaan, Canaanite people that live there. He didn't trust God. He sent people in. People came out. Two said, hey, we can take them. We'll take them. We got a mighty God. We seen him part the red. We seen him crush the Egyptians. We can take these people. And then 10 of them said, hey, there's giants over there. They're big. I don't know about this. So he said, hey, God said, hey, you're going to wonder the, the wilderness. Can you imagine this? God had to do, it's like make them forget where they were. You know? and Because they wandered. It says they wandered the wilderness. They were, they were nomads. They had to know where they were going. Shelly loves, for some reason, this Alaskan, how they live in Alaska, like in the boondock. And they just go walking. They don't have a compass. And they find their way back to the cabin. I would be lost, by the way. I would be eaten by a bear. But, but these... Oh, gosh. She is annoying today. But... But these people would have known how to get around. So God had to, like, they had to lose a whole generation of people before they could go. And then Moses just gets to look into the promised land. He doesn't get to go there. He gets to die not going to the promised land. Yet yet God used him for so many miracles. And he had so much faith in God, but, but then he had no faith in God. You ever feel like that? That you could, you could conquer the world with God, and then the next day you're like, I don't know about this God. 
This is too much. This is too much for me. And it is. It's always too much for me. That's why I need God. And I need to trust Him. Because everything's too much for us. We think we can handle stuff. But we really can't. We think that life is going great. And we're in control. But we're not. We've got to fully, fully trust God. That's the difference between Joseph and and Joseph finished strong. Moses got to see the point, but he didn't. He he had he had flaws. Guess what? We have flaws. I have flaws. I'm not perfect. Never will be. Not on this side of the cross, anyway. Once I get to heaven, I'll be made perfect. I'll be made perfect, not all knowing. I still won't understand. But I'll get to. I'll, I'll, I'll be perfect. There'll be no sin left in me. And I won't keep messing up like I do now. But it's about accepting the f- and, and having faith that, that God has a purpose for your life. And that he is going to use you and not thinking, hey, why would he want to use somebody like me? I get to be used by God. I don't know why. I was writing in my office this morning, talking to God, writing down some stuff. And I don't do that very often, but I was doing it this morning and telling him, you know, why me? Without him, I can't do it. But we need a powerful faith. Hebrews 29. says this, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Then when there was no hope, when there was no hope, the people get to the the Red Sea and there's no hope. And God said, hey, wait a minute, i got a plan. And he says, I'm going to have you part the sea. And Moses, God be thinking... Yeah, you've done some good things. I've seen you do some real good things. You're going to do this for me? Because we're not talking as big as this row. We're talking mile at least wide. And you've got to think, you've got to walk through it. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in any running water... When you walk through it, it's muddy and you get stuck. And, and by the way, they, they had all their, their, their possessions with them and they have to cross. Okay? And God doesn't just, just open it up. He dries the ground they walk on. See, this, 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 we just go, wow, he parted the Red Sea. No, he didn't just part the, just part the Red Sea. He made a massive opening in the Red Sea. For million people to probably walk through and ride through. And then by the time they get to the other side, the Egyptians are on their tail. He leaves it. It's still there, but he starts, it starts getting muddy. And the Egyptians in there get stuck. They all get out. Then he has Moses go, put your hands up. And Bam! Egyptians, no problem. They drowned. God protected his people. And we, we, we sometimes think, wow, God just wiped out so many people for just whatever. Yeah. Because God can. I can't tell you why. God does what he does. I do know this, God knows who's going to accept him and who's not. Because a lot of people that I talk to sometimes have problems with God because they look at the Old Testament and go, God is so angry. And he killed so many people. 
I can't follow a God like that. He's a murderer. I mean, these are things people think. I'm going to tell you this. Because we have a, a, a good and a bad view of Jesus. Jesus is just as angry at sin and, and uh, sinful nature and sin. And one day, by the way, Revelation says that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And I always say he's coming back. Jesus was, uh, was meek and mild. But Jesus did show his, his tough side, by the way. When he took a whip and whipped out it in, in the temple and knocked over all the selling booths in the temple. So, so Jesus would get angry. But when Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, he's riding on a white horse. Okay? Dipped in blood, and it's not his blood. Okay? And he has eyes on fire. He's coming back like a roaring lion. And he is angry when he comes back at sin. Because when Jesus comes back, that's why he's coming back. All the people that have not accepted his forgiveness and grace, he's angry at sin. So we say, oh God, he's so angry in the Old Testament, and then he's such a nice guy in the New Testament. Well, you haven't read the book, for one. Because the whole Old Testament says how loving he is and how dumb we are because we don't want to follow him. The creator of the universe. And, and the New Testament does show you the loving nature of God. But it also shows a fierce warrior. A fierce warrior who's coming back. And going to finish the story. See, that's why I think men have a problem with Jesus. Because we push this Nancy... Jesus with long hair, blue eyes, looks like Fabio, if you're old enough to know what Fabio looked like. That's what they painted. I think they just took pictures of Fabio and put them on portraits because every portrait of Jesus, and he wasn't even alive when they painted some of them, but they basically painted pictures of Fabio before Fabio even existed. Okay? I'm, I'm not a big fan of Fabio Jesus. I look at Jesus as the Jesus that's coming back. UFC fighting Jesus. That's my Jesus. That's my Savior. The Savior that took the beating on the cross was UFC fighting Jesus that was taking it all for you. He was a warrior. And we forget that part of Jesus. I think that's why the percentage of churches are at least 60 to 70% women. Because of the look that we have for Jesus. And the, and the way we've portrayed Jesus. How can I put my faith and trust in somebody like that? But I'm telling you, I put my faith and trust in, in, in Jesus that... that that's coming back and going to kick some booty because he's angry at sin in the world. And he hates it. That's why he went to the cross. There is pleasing faith when we obey what God asks us to do. Joshua 6, 1 through 24, tells us how the walls of Jericho fell. You you know what's amazing about the story of the walls? I I love it because there's no fighting. It's like, hey, send the worship band in. (laughs) Yeah! Let's send the worship team over there to get annihilated first. 
And all they had to do was sing praise to God around the walls of Jericho. And they fell because they believed what God was set, God said he would do. I'm going to give you this country. And to show you, I'm going to give you this country. Because not every battle went this way, by the way. They did have to take their swords out and kill people. But this battle, they went around and around. And the walls just crumbled. And they, the, they, they took over the city. Just like that. Because God wanted to show you, show who he was. Could you imagine the incredible obedience that that would have took for the worship team to march around the building with just their instruments? That's amazing to me that God could do something like that. And I believe every word of the Bible, so I believe this really happened. And then there's protecting faith. Hebrews 31 says this. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You know, isn't it amazing how, what people God use? This is where you've got to go, God... God's so good. He's using a prostitute. We would condemn her. The Jewish people would have stoned her to death. And God used her. By the way, her lineage is in Jesus' lineage. A prostitute. Jesus is saying, hey, guess what? Guess what? You think you've got some bad family. You should look at my family tree. <laughs> you should look at my family tree. My family feet makes yours look good. It makes yours look good. You know, she was honored because of her faith. She didn't even know God. But she protected God's people. And God always honors faith. The same God who rolled back the Red Sea is alive today. The same God. The same God that rolled the Red Sea apart is alive today. Is working in this world today. That same God protects you. That same God is looking after you. He's not going to make your life beautiful in your eyes. He's going to give you what you need to do, what he wants you to do for him, if you trust him. That might mean you might be in some pain. That might mean you have to suffer. And the only way through that is putting your trust and your faith in what his plan is and not your plan. You see, God will perform the impossible today if you just simply trust him. These great men of faith were not supermen. These people that I've been talking about, they weren't supermen. They weren't special. They were just like us. They were just like us. James Five, verse 17 and 18 says this. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Elijah was a man just like you and me. 
I keep telling you, prayer is the most powerful weapon we have. Why do we struggle? I, I, I was listening to a pod, podcast this week uh, by a guy I, I listen to and follow. And he had a mega church pastor on, uh, on his show. And he was interviewing him. And this guy as a mega church, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of mega churches. But what was great is this, church, this pastor was a mega church pastor. And guess what he said? Don't call me a mega church pastor because I don't like mega churches. Right? They have small groups in the week. We, we're too small to have small groups. But we have Wednesday night, okay? Do you know what their attendance is in their small groups? percentage-wise, to the people that clock in on a... Sat, on a, a, a and now we're talking, by the way, they, they, they clock in because they have more than one church. At, at one point, they had 30,000 members. Just so you get... I want you to wrap your head around this, okay? And this was pre-COVID, their attendance, they have this thing in their church that if their small groups don't have 80% of their attendees, so 80% of what say their members and show up on a Sunday, show up in some sort of small group together, they don't let anybody else join the church. If it drops below 80%. Do you know why? Because it's broken if it does, is what they're saying. Guess what their percentage is for small groups of attendance, to, attendance to small group. So the people that actually go show up in the buildings like here, right, and how many percent they have in their small groups. Because I was blown away, 120%. And I'm like, how did you make 120%? Because some people don't go to church anymore. But they actively give, they actively participate in the church on Sundays by watching it online, which I'm not a big fan of for a small group. I think it's great if you do all the other things that this church is doing. This is the first mega church I've ever listened about, learned about, that actually is doing it right. Okay? And I'm like, wow, how come we get 10, 15 people at best on a Wednesday night? You must not need God as much as I do. And, and it, I'm just saying, you must not need God as much as I do. Because I can't make it through the week without Him. This is the first Wednesday, this Wednesday, that I missed. And I'm the pastor. I, I know I have to be here. But I had to miss this week for personal reasons. Okay? Because I was broken. And at my bottom. This week. Because everybody wants to know. I've got a letter of resignation on my computer. I'm not using it. But that's what I felt like. On Tuesday night. Because I was crushed so much. From the weight of this position. That, that I was crushed. And, and, and I asked Andrew to be very not specific on Wednesday night. Of what was going on. That I took all my frustration out. This is a confession. On my wife. So that night. I wrote a letter of resignation. Not that I was quitting the church as a member of the church, but I was going to quit being the pastor of this church. And Wednesday, I called up Andrew, because I still needed to think and pray about this, okay, and asked Andrew if he would run Wednesday night prayer group for me. Because I, had, I, I, had, I was empty. I was empty. 
I'm still not 100%, by the way, just so you know. But I want to be truthful to you. Because I love you, and I know that you, lo- you guys love me. So it's not, that's not the problem. But we all struggle like that day to day. We all have days like that. That's why I said I had a bad week this week. And it was really bad for me. A lot's going to change because of it. The stuff that we're going to talk about next week at the Elder Board meeting. But I'm going to be your pastor as long as you want me to be your pastor. But, it's not because of anything, but I want to put all my faith and trust in God and stop relying on myself. And the problem with me is I say yes very easily to people. I say yes too fast. And I want to serve well. And when you do that, and plus, by the way, I inherited a nightmare by default. But I know it's going to get better. Because I'm going to trust God. Because I'm going to 100% put my faith and trust in the one who I believe called me here. I just wanted to share that before we closed. Because people keep saying, I hope you got some rest. I hope you got some rest. It isn't really rest that I need. Uh, It's a lot more than that. So I wanted to just clarify it. And it's easier to tell everybody at once than try and tell 40 people. So, so this week, I want you to read Hebrews 11, 32 through 40 to get ready for next week's sermon. The Christian and development and what it means if we're a Christian and how we develop our Christianity to perform the task that God's called us to perform. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for being an awesome God that does take care of us. Even when we struggle, you're there for us. Uh, We just pray that you work in our lives to help us follow you harder. That we really submit our whole lives to you. Not just a little bit of it, but our whole life to you. To follow you, to do what you have called us to do as a church. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.